On today's podcast, we are talking Cubs, Cardinals, more baseball, D.D. Gregorius, and then I have a crazy theory involving Steve Alford, Bill Walton, and LeVar Ball. All that and more on the Fumbling Punter. Welcome into the Fumbling Punter podcast. I'm your host, Devin Keeney, and with us today, of course, co-host Lucas Jones. Lucas, how about those Cubs? Hey, five in a row. And they've only scored 12 runs and then five wins in a row. That's crazy to me. 12 runs in a five-game winning streak. How good has their pitching been? It has been just absolutely lights out. And, the, you know, that's something that at the beginning of the year they struggled with. Uh, Quintana and New Darvish were having ADRAs. Like, Chatwood still got some walk problems, but his ERA is pretty low. Hendricks has been Hendricks for the most part this year, so it's really good to see uh, see the starters pitching. Um, I can tell John Lester's probably starting his decline a little bit, but he's just he's a bulldog, you know. He's turning into like what John Lackey was the last three years. Not oh, quite yeah. giving up as many gopher balls, but John Le- he's a gamer, and you know if I was Mike Matheny, I would say he's a grinder. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll yeah, get to Matheny so- in a minute. But, you know, the Cubs, they, they went from fourth place to first place in the last week in the Central. So anytime you can enter a enter a new month in first place is something to be happy about. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, a great thing for the Cubs. Now, let's go on to the other end of the spectrum. And the Cardinals are coming off getting swept by the Pirates. Uh, pretty much summary for anyone who didn't catch that. Uh, they blew the lead on Friday. I was shocked. I was at an event for work uh, after we recorded the podcast, and then I went. We were driving home, and they said on to the 11th inning. And I looked over at Lindsay, and I was like, what in the hell happened? They were up 5-2 to two the last time I saw. Well, Greg Holland happened, apparently. So I missed that, but apparently he gave up three runs and his has his first blown save as a member of the Cardinals. I still hate that. I hate that you don't sign until the opening day was when he signed, and so he's a month and a half, two months behind everybody else. It, I think it's a bad strategy for Boris. I think it's a bad strategy for the players, for the team that signs him. Well, it is, but you also have to consider that, uh, you know, part of this, actually, I'm just going to go out and say it, 95% of this after the signing is on the Cardinals for letting them pitch in two, two minor league games or extended spring training games and then bringing them up before he was ready. Yeah, I, I would mean, rather see him spend a month in Florida getting ready and then come back and be somewhat near normal Greg Holland. Right. Than... Just because you're just because you're a veteran and you sign for big money doesn't mean you're ready. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You don't sign until April. Of course you're not going to be ready to get back in the bigs. You need some time to get your arm strength back, get your control back, face some live hitters. The the whole Scott Boer spring training thing was a joke, but I mean, maybe just to get the players out there running around and maybe fielding some balls and swinging, but you can't tell me the pitchers are out there ramping it up in unaffiliated spring training without a contract because of the risk of getting hurt. And well, you get hurt and then you don't get a deal. You cost yourself millions of dollars. So they can't tell me Greg Holland was doing anything close to equivalency of a 
Major League Baseball spring training. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, and that's why they have this just terrible bullpen right now. I think the only two bright spots of the bullpen so far have been Bud Norris. Big surprise, a great surprise for me. And then, of course, Jordan Hicks, who kind of came out of nowhere. And, of course, Matheny's trying to just mismanage the hell out of Hicks if he can. <laughs> well, you know, and here's the thing with Hicks. Those hard. He's 21 years old. But his last two appearances or maybe two out of the last three, he's given up the go-ahead run. Yeah. And, yeah, well, Matheny's putting him in a situation, uh, you know, a high-leverage situation to see what he can do, which is fine. But you really have to worry about is that going to get to Jordan Hicks, who, by all accounts, fantastic stuff, great kid. But he already's having a hard time throwing strikes. Oh, yeah. His walk rate is insanely high. Yeah. Like he was due for some, he was due for his bat, the bat that facing him, the batting average against him with balls in play was very, very low. That was always going to come up a little bit. But when that comes up, if there's guys on base and you get in yourself situations where you're taking this, this kid and he's getting a bunch of just, you know, you just worry about the mental aspect for him. His physical tools are there. He probably does need some polish work at some point on his, you know, the same thing with Alex Reyes when he got brought up was he was walking a lot of guys. Yeah. And, and that's not good, but Jordan Hicks, you know, I wish, and I'm not being a hater right now. I'm just being the devil's advocate here and reading the numbers on his walk rates compared to his K rates. And, you know, I wish the Cubs had somebody that threw that hard, um, and they probably do at some point, somewhere down the line in the system. But, you know. The Cardinals Jordan need Hicks, Hicks more than the Cubs future. need. Yeah, the, and the Cardinals need Hicks now, unfortunately, for him and the team. Right. And, you know, I have, like, a Twitter rival. His name is Moe's Algorithm. I hate him. <laughs> but he was going on and on about Cardinals have the best bullpen in the National League, and it's not even close. Ugh, vomit. Like, well, you're relying on Bud Norris, so freaking journeyman to be and you know filled starters or who your relievers are yeah and your closers and stuff so you know you can look at any reliever and say oh he's a felt starter and a journeyman or whatever i don't know if you want to rely on that like greg holland's probably going to get a little better with this track record although if you go back from last august on he has not been good <laughs> yeah and i don't i wonder how much of that was year, but I wondered how much of that was not pitching in uh, in 2016 and just the innings kind of catching up to him at the end of last year. Well, but, they thought about that, and he had some blisters and stuff. And, you know, maybe he just still got some early season rust or maybe something. I don't know, because Luke Gregerson hasn't looked good. And you still got Brett Cecil, who I think is on the DL. He is on the he's DL. He's probably coming back. That Matt Bowman pitches every day. <laughs> okay, uh, my favorite thing uh, on, I've seen on Twitter lately, which is kind of a new segment I'm coming into, is uh, someone, a Cardinals fan, tweeted, it's going to be a really historic day at Bush Stadium when Matt Bowman breaks Cal Ripken Jr.'s consecutive games record. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what it feels like sometimes with Bowman. But, you know, the – the Cardinals have some bright spots, like C-Mart's pitching pretty well. They don't win a lot of his games because the bullpen tends to 
screw up a little more when he pitches, but he's been pitching pretty well. Nicholas has only got like three walks this year. He's pitching better than I thought he was going yeah, to. Yeah, same here. Um, Luke Weaver is pretty good through four innings. Yeah. He gets that fifth inning. He's kind of been his bugaboo this year. Of course, the Cubs jumped all over him. Flaherty pitched okay for the most part Saturday, but things kind of got away from him, and then the bullpen gave up some more runs. So, I mean, there's some bright spots for the Cardinals, but – uh, you just really wonder if the pitching's uh, gonna hold up. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, another get better. Another update: uh, the Cardinals, after this uh, Pirates series, dropped to eight and twelve against everybody not named the Cincinnati Reds. But luckily for the Cardinals, they do have a little set here against the White Sox before they play the Cubs this weekend. So we all know the White Sox are very much in a rebuild mode. And uh, But I, they can sting you. Don't sleep on them. Don't be looking too forward to this weekend set against the Cubs that you split. or I, I can't remember if it's a three-game set, Tuesday, Wednesday. So it's probably a three-game set, it's right? It's a two-game set. Oh, okay, two-game set. So you the don't... Cardinals actually have two days off this week. Wow. So you definitely um, don't want to split with the White Sox well, as a James Shields pitching tomorrow. So the Cardinals that should win. If they lose to James Shields, then you know all the sirens should be going off. James Shields is terrible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely terrible. On my ESPN fantasy keeper league, I was looking at pitchers to pick up this week, and I was reading their little comment section on them. They're like, "Oh, James Shields coming off a good start where he only gave up four runs," and I'm thinking. Four runs, and they're calling that a good start for James Shields. Holy shit. Yeah, that's So, you know, tough. Uh, I can't remember who's pitching uh, Wednesday. Lucas Giolito, so okay. he's coming off a good start. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's he's the one of the top guys that the White Sox got back in the Adam Eaton trade. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, honestly, the Cardinals should win both of these games. The White Sox have been bad. They're not going to have a DH. So, you know, tough to say, but they should be feeling pretty good about these next few days coming up. Yeah. So, moving out of the National League Central here for a bit, uh, do you think oh, – you broke the news to me, so I'll let you say it first on the podcast on in Dodgerland. Oh, well, Corey Seager is now out for the year. Um, he needs Tommy John surgery. Not something you, you see, see with – Yeah, position players, but do you no, think – that's the end of the Dodgers season. They're already off to a tough start. Well, here was something else that I read today on Twitter. Last year, no team that was below 500 on May 1st made the playoffs. And right now, the Dodgers and the Nationals both, huge favorites in both of their divisions, are under 500. So, yeah, really, and... losing Corey Seager is a huge blow. Absolutely huge blow. Oh, absolutely. Because they've already, the Dodgers have had bullpen problems. The Dodgers aren't hitting consistently. Puig just went on the DL. Justin Turner, I don't even know if he's swinging the bat yet. He's coming along slowly from his broken hand. Um, he may not be back till late May, maybe early June. Um, you got, let's see, I'm trying to think what else. They got a few other dings. Uh, well, Seager's gone. Kershaw's been hit a couple of times yeah. this year. I would say Dodgers are probably – they're going to have it tough because the Diamondbacks are playing really well right now. They're kind of running away. Um, oh, yeah. Division. Yeah, they're playing uh, very well. You know, so, yeah, the thing with the Dodgers and uh fan of the podcast, J.K. Sturgeon, asked, texted me, 
um, immediately after the news broke if the Dodgers were going to be in on Machado now. And are they going to be on him soon? Oh, um, they the Orioles. have. And that is something that they can pull off. Good take, JK. I like that. Uh, they have a lot of they have a lot of prospects. They can make a deal with the Orioles. Here's the thing I told JK. I said, but they tried really hard to get under that luxury tax so they can free spin this winter. And the other side to that is Andrew Friedman's not really keen on trading a bunch of prospects. They do have the get, prospects to do it. To get players. But they do. Alex Verdugo really just got called it. up, right? Yeah, he was called up this weekend, and mm-hmm. now he's going to play a lot because Puig is on the DL. Um, and Verdugo can play some second, and Chris Taylor can go to shortstop or whatever. And So they got some versatile players to make up for it. But, you you know, if they want to make a deal for Machado, here's how it can be done is – the Orioles have to send cash along with them, and that would give the Dodgers basically a tax credit or a credit to not count against their luxury tax. Kind of similar to, and this is how I explained it to JK, it's kind of similar to how in the Giancarlo Stanton trade, the Marlins sent $30 million along with them to the Yankees, and that $30 million is spread out over the 10 years. To get his so annual average value down. Yes, by $3 million a year. Um, So, you know, that's something the Orioles can do. Of course, Machado's a free agent after the year, so they only need to pay down enough to where the Dodgers can stay under the tax. But then that would kind of strap the Dodgers to make other moves unless they're able to, you know, exchange more money. If you want money in these trades, you usually have to give up better prospects. Um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I wouldn't count – the Orioles are a bad, bad team right now. Yes. They're, they're terrible. Alex Cobb is terrible. He's supposed to be their best pitcher. He's terrible. He's given up 30 hits and in 10 innings pitched, I believe I read today. Holy uh, cow. Yeah. That's never good for um, the old whip. No. So, if the Orioles were smart, Machado goes on the market sooner than later. The sooner, theoretically, better the better return. prospects you can get the better return um so you know john Heyman's been beating down the door that the cubs are going to make a play for machado at the trade deadline to me that would be sweet but the dodgers makes more sense at this point in which but john Heyman refuses to believe that the cubs are in on bryce harper in the free agency he's is he in denial he thinks, yeah and he thinks the dodgers are going to be the one to make the big run for for Harper, and it just doesn't make sense to me because the Dodgers' outfield's a little more stat. Of course, the Cubs have five outfielders right now too, but and it doesn't matter what team it is, you make room for a talent like Harper. But I thought the Dodgers would probably be more in on Machado because they have second base problems. Logan mm-hmm. Forsythe's a free agent after this year, so you slide Turner back to second. Seager can probably go to third base if Machado don't want to play third base. And then Machado can play shortstop if they sign him. Flip side to that is though Machado's been a average to slightly below average shortstop defensively this mm. year so far. Um, he was a far better third baseman defensively. Um, so I don't know if Machado will take that back into account when he signs somewhere. I don't know, but I would say the Machado rumors are going to start heating up with the Dodgers having a big need right now. Oh, absolutely, and. You know who doesn't have a big need for shortstop right now? 
the Yankees because D.D. Gregorius is hitting out of his mind right now. Ten home runs, a one two oh two OPS. Uh, someone on Twitter compared it to the Babe Ruth deal. That would be Bob Nightingale. <laughs> if anyone else follows Bob, you were not surprised by that analogy oh, from him. I had to but bring just, that up. What an absolutely terrible analogy. But D.D. is playing out of his mind. He's probably having a better offensive season than Derek Jeter even dreamed about having. He's a better fielder than Derek Jeter. And I'm not saying he's going to have a better career than Derek Jeter, but I think D.D. Gregorius' peak's probably better than Jeter's peak ever because Jeter wasn't even that good of a defensive shortstop. Yeah. No, I'm completely with you. And if you guys don't believe me, then – then follow Ryan Spader on Twitter and just wait because every few weeks he seems to talk. He seems to have some neat stats on Jeter's defensive prowess. Yeah. Uh, so Lucas, moving on, I found uh, I found I heard something on the radio the other day on the way to work that I found absolutely intriguing. So the last Thursday, the NFL draft, the first round of the NFL draft, went head to head with the NBA playoffs. The viewership was insane the the first round of the nfl draft drew 11 million viewers the nba playoffs drew 2.3 million that is a draft versus a playoff series head to head and they're over four times almost five times the viewers that is insane to me and i think it speaks to something because over the last year i've really heard a lot about uh especially on espn of the of football's dying the nfl's dead rip the nfl and i don't think that that's the case i think what we have is the ES, how espn mortgaged its future on the nba and they're probably going to lose monday night football in what is it 2019 or 2020 when their mm, monday night football deals up i'd be 2020 I think, I think you're right, but either way, they know that they're probably not going to be able to afford to hold on to Monday Night Football, and so they're really going all in on basketball. But clearly with those numbers, you football's still king, right? The NFL? Football's king, but the ratings for the NBA has been up a lot this year as a whole. Oh, it so has, but it's insane ESPN's still. probably going to be okay with their basketball stuff, but football's king. It's always king or has been for years now, and it probably will be for a very long time. Yeah. I, mean, I You just look at how hated Roger Goodell is and how many millions of Americans hate Colin Kaepernick and all that crap he started, and they still outdraw. It's exciting. It's tough to break away from. Oh, yeah. It's a, you know, they damn near turned it into a year-long event, just the NFL as a whole, and it's, you know, they're – People can say what they want to about Roger Goodell, but he's done a very good job of growing the National Football League. <laughs> Absolutely, he has. Uh, so, talking on the NBA playoffs, I know that the first, some of the first round games have already been, or second round games have already been played. But I want to go ahead and do some predictions here. Uh, Philly, Boston. Who I'm taking Philly four two. Who you got, Lucas? I take Philly as well. I mean, what Brad Stevens has done is nothing short of a miracle uh, with without essentially three of his four best players. So it is just absolutely mind-boggling to me that they were able to beat the Greek freak and the Bucks. but I think that Philly's got too much talent. And then the LeBrons versus the Raptors. Who you got, Lucas? Uh, I got LeBron and 
five or six. I'm going to say seven because I think this is the year that there's not an – Cavs in seven. I think this is the year that there's not enough talent around LeBron that Toronto finds a way to take it to seven games, but I still don't believe in Toronto in any way, shape, or form as the number one seed in the East. Uh, Rockets versus the Quinn Snyder Jazz. This is a very pro Quinn Snyder podcast. Oh, for sure. Quinn Snyder, if you're ever going to be on a podcast, this is the one to be on. Uh, But I'm going to take the Rockets. Yeah, I'm going to have to take the Rockets. 4-2, I'm going to say. I think that they're well coached enough. They had a terrible, like, 42-hour turnaround from beating the Thunder to starting the series with the Rockets. And so they dropped game one, but that was kind of pretty crappy on – Adam Silver's part. Uh, Warriors, Pelicans, I think it's a sweep. I Yeah, I think the Pelicans win one or two, but, man, it'd be sweet if the Warriors lost. Oh, man, it would be. Uh, hopefully, I don't know. It's hard for me. I want so badly for the Warriors to lose. I just don't see how it happens. But on that note, I wore my Oklahoma City Thunder hat to go get my oil changed and to the movies today and like 20 people asked me what what's going on with the thunder what are they going to do so i want to address this in the podcast officially i think paul george leaves i think playoff p playoff P. (laughs) what a terrible nickname after how he played in the last game of that series uh i think that carmelo anthony i if i heard this right He's going to make $28 million if he opts in. So I don't think that anyone, any team out there is going to, other than maybe like the Orlando Magic because they need excitement, no one else is going to pay Carmelo $28 million a year. Fuck, they wouldn't even be getting excitement with Carmelo anymore. He's done. Oh, yeah, he is. And he pretty much basically said that he was not taking a bench roll, but I don't know what he expects. So I think that. I think that ultimately he stays because no one I else. I mean, he's opting in. You don't turn down $28 million at this point in your career. Yeah, no, there's no way. Because he'll never make that much money on another contract. Unless he's unless he's done with money and he just really wants a ring and maybe takes like a veteran minimum to go join Paul George, LeBron, Chris uh, Paul, and James Harden in Houston. I could see yeah. that. I mean, I could see, yeah, he's going to take his $28 million this year and then take, you know, very small, a small amount to uh, go somewhere else and chase a ring. Yeah. He's a seven guy or something, but, he, you know, I'd take the 20. I'd do the exact same thing he is, too. I mean, these teams are dumb enough to pay him that much, so. Yeah, I would I would absolutely take Thanks, it. Phil. Never turn down that kind of money. Can we officially rule out? I want, to, I want to be the first one to declare this. LeBron is not going to the Lakers. No, I don't see why he would at this point. Because the, somehow LeVar Ball is going to talk uh, <laughs> magic into drafting uh, what's the middle ball kid's name? D'Angelo? D'Angelo? D'Angelo, yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's like the but 256th ranked. play now? No, he's still hell. He's still like fifteen. I don't even think he can legally have a job in the United States. Well, shit. He was over there playing in like <laughs> Lithuania or Estonia or somewhere Latvia or somewhere. Whatever team they were playing on was about to get relegated in Latvia or wherever 
in the hell they were. So I would say that they're, those two, which I saw that the youngest one was actually like the sixth ranked recruit in his class. So LeVar royally screwed him over by not keeping him in high school for his last two years and then going to UCLA or wherever he was going to go if he was truly ranked that high. Because now he, he yeah, I mean, he's played UCLA professionally. He's probably done with the balls at this point after LiAngelo's shoplifting shit in China. Yeah, but if he, you don't turn down a top five recruit, I don't think, do you? <laughs> I mean, do you really want to put up with his dad? No, but I never would have recruited. Uh... Dude, I guarantee you Magic Johnson was calling these teams overseas and I could take these two kids and we'll somehow funnel you like $30 million or something just to get LeVar <laughs> out of the fucking country. You know who it was? It wasn't Magic. It was Steve Alford. <laughs> yeah, it might have been. You never know. I mean, these colleges got all sorts of money to pay players, except in this case they was paying other people to take them. Okay, so there's always a middleman. It's never the head coach that gets involved in any of this crazy stuff. So this yeah, is what so this is my official take. I think that Steve Alford sent Bill Walton over to Latvia to get this whole thing set up to pay him so he could get rid of the Ball family. How great of yeah. an ESPN 30 for 30 would that be in five years? It'd be a fantastic 30 for 30. <laughs> Bill Walton's just high listening to the Grateful Dead on this 18-hour plane ride to Latvia to convince them to take the, the balls. With a suitcase of $20 million. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... I mean, that would be... You'd have to... They'd have to release that at theaters because it would be such a must-see. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, Lucas, anything before we go? Nope. All right, well, everybody, thanks for joining. We'll be back later this week with uh, more baseball, more uh, basketball, probably get a little hockey talk in. But uh, thanks for joining us. Everybody have a good week.